0: So it's my privilege this morning to bring back something that we had last week. Uh, When I was up at my conference two weeks ago, uh, it was a huge surprise to me to uh, intersect with this great example of Christ walking today. Um, Before I have the video played, I want to share with you a little bit about who Dr. Cook is. So I have this book called Under His Majesty's Command. It's a story of his life. And Dr. Cook has been all around the world. He was raised in India. Uh, he had a pet leopard. He had a pet tiger. Um, he has faced fire <coughs> squads. He, I just reread the story where coming from Cape Town, going towards India during World War II, Um, As a young boy he was asked to um, be part of the crew as a German sub surfaced next to them and an escort destroyer had to engage with that sub and then they found out that that was just a decoy and a second sub came after their passenger ship. And he's helping the crew as a young boy launch depth charges. And, and fire munitions to protect all those on the boat. Later on, the way the story goes is that their father, much like the story. Dr. Cook had for this doctor, and while it pierced his heart, all Dr. Cook could think about was Philippians 1:20. About walking in a manner worthy, and that God had called him to be Christ's family. And so he hugged that doctor. And he felt great compassion for that doctor because it was a mistake. While it cost his wife's life, it was a mistake. This is the story of the night that Jeffrey passed. He says, I will never forget that night when we realized that it was close to Jeff's homegoing time. I held him for a while, and when I felt his breath becoming shorter, I gave him to his mother. Memory holds the sight of that moment, and she walked towards the opening onto the outside. The moon was hanging in the midst of a tropical sky and shone through the palm leaves as if they were made of silver. In the midst of that picture stood my darling Cheryl, holding her precious treasure. I stood there praying. When I heard her prayer to the Lord, the whisper reverberates in my ears to this day as I heard her prayer saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for my Jeffrey. And now Lord, from my loving arms into yours, I give my dear little one. There was a little sigh, and then the quietness that made us realize Our little one had taken leave of this little earthly body and slipped into the presence of the one who was the giver of every good and perfect gift. Mark Searle wrote, Thou dost choose to leave. I think that will frame what you're about to hear, Doctor Cook say to you, as a personal message to our church. It'll have a greater impact. Now let's go ahead. Let's...
1: So good to be with you. We loved you. A very and your precious fellowship, I pray that God will continue to bless the mission and use you and make you that lighthouse in that area of the world to the touch a world that needs Jesus. There's so much
0: you grew up in India and the travels and, and wild animals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, how many of you, does anybody want that? as a great, great storybook to read to your kids. I will give you a caveat. I will give you a caveat. A monkey dies. It's the jungle. So if that's too gruesome, you'll have to go through a pre-read. But if any of you would like one of these copies, we have them right here, Banna White. We'll go ahead and hand those out to you. Just raise your hand, because I have four. the first four, get one. Banna, do your work. All right, this morning as we jump all in, I felt compelled as well to show that video because it took me two and a half years from the time that I was introduced to Dr. Cook to the time where I decided to ask him to mentor me, because I was scared. You don't ask an individual like that to mentor you unless you're willing to make the sacrifices they made. Otherwise, you are treating with disdain the time and the wisdom that is being afforded to you. And then I was even more scared when he said yes. And so it's been a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for my wife and I to be blessed to have him and his wife First Shirley and and now Beverly in our lives. It is by no mistake and he has a great affinity for this church. Uh, We support his son John through indigenous ministries who has ministry in India and Egypt and all around the world in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we through that ministry are having an impact in churches growing in those areas and supporting churches and supporting pastors. It is a tremendous work. So there is something about the power of a strong example in our life, and that's where we're at today with this message. We're looking at the sermon series, and this is a picture of us last week. And there's a very handsome couple there uh, with Brad and Nancy. And uh, and then I'm always on the bad side of these pictures. I'm always closest to the camera. I'm actually the same size as Brad, but it's just a perspective problem. <laughs> So, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, but we had a tremendous, tremendous time. Uh, so this morning, let's turn to the book of Philippians. And we are in one of the most heavy passages of all of Scripture. So, follow along with me as we read. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11. Paul says this to the church at Philippi. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in in the Spirit, any affliction, I'm sorry, any affection, I have shadows on my cycle here, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant from your, uh, uh, as yourselves God has highly exalted Him, and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven, and on earth, and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. I told you last week that on Monday when we arrived at our conference, Janine came running up to me, all excited, saying... You'll never guess who's here. It's, it's Dr. Cook. I said, "Where?" And and she pointed. He was already out of the out of the eating area, the dining commons. Was walking, and I ran. Right. You, some of you are familiar with the picture of, of Peter jumping out of the boat when he realized who was on the shore. I ran, and then as I came back from that encounter, one of my close friends was just shaking his head, and I thought he was going to be excited about you know. Wow, how do you know that? He's like, wow, I've never seen you run. (laughs) But when when we see Christ, we should run to it. Should we not? There will be that day where we see Christ. And in essence, what Paul describes to us is that we are running towards that day. And so we're going to discuss today this idea of Christ's example. And for me, Dr. Cook is the closest example I've ever seen on this earth. Walking in human flesh, there's a little hint of where we're going. And so when I know he's within proximity, I run. I run. This morning we have several areas. Our, our, our title is All in Christ's. Example, And we have notes. You can go ahead and pull those out. We're going to fill those in. So the first point today is, it's just not up for debate. It just is not up for debate. If you're going to talk about being all in,
1: that
0: this idea of commitment, and you heard Dr. Cook talk about commitment. How many of us would have given up after serving the Lord cost us one family member? How many of us would have been bitter and walked away from, from God rather than embracing the Lord, trusting the Lord, writing a poem like Shirley wrote after the second family member had passed? And on and on and on. I can think of no greater example I can show you of someone who was committed and is still committed. Dr. Cook was an incredible athlete and did a lot of coaching and basketball and when we saw him up there, his back was deteriorated and he has to use a cane and I think his angels were holding him up six or seven times when I watched. He should have gone down to the ground. Now, he's 89 years old and he drove from Colorado just to encourage pastors. He had no title. He had no stage time. Nothing. He drove all the way from Colorado to Hume Lake at age 89 with a bad back because he's committed. He's all it. All in. That's the kind of example that I want to follow. This morning, as we look, we're going to focus first in this point: all in on commitment, verses one through two. So, Paul gives us the picture of a healthy church. Let's go back and look at it. So, if, if, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit. Any affl- affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Paul describes a picture of the healthy church. Is every component of a healthy church listed? No, absolutely not. We see nothing about prayer here. But what this is, is Paul's painting a picture of a Philippian church. They were doing pretty well in unity. And so he's saying, hey, look, your commitment to Christ first. Your commitment to one another is working. That's why you are a healthy church. That's why there is joy in my life. That's why he uses some of the terms he's using. (coughs) Now, these are small terms, right? These are small terms. If we would probably glance over that, and usually I would, but I want you to understand the deeper sense of what Paul is saying here. It's not like he's saying this is what you need to work towards. He is actually making a commendation of this church and their unity in Christ and their commitment to Christ and one another. When you look at the original language, this word that in Greek is used for if can also be used in the sense of how we use the understanding of sins. So a more Maybe, maybe a more accurate rendering of this is not so if there is any. It would be more likely to say so since there is any. But there's some nuance in about how Paul's trying to project what he's saying, and for the English language, it gets difficult for us to understand. But I want you to understand there's very much a part of what he's saying is not if, as if it doesn't exist, there's very much so a part of him saying, since it exists, continue in this manner. You're getting it right. You're doing well. Complete is an all in statement. Is it not? Completed. How many of you have been reminded by your spouse that you have not completed a project around the house? Right? How many of you Get reminded that you did not complete the assignment. Right? How many of you only put $10 in the tank because you're trying to save it and then it wasn't complete, so you ran out of gas? This idea of complete is Paul saying, here's the whole picture of the church. This is what health looks like. This is stuff that's not up for debate. We don't get to argue these points. If you want to be complete, if you want to be all in, the this is the picture, this is the composite of what it looks like. How about CBC? I love the way that's read. CBC being committed. A lot of different ways you
1: can do that. <laughs>
0: I want to hear from you. How do you see your church being committed? Community, in what way? The youth. So let me share with you real quickly what's happening here. Because Fernando is sharing this idea about the youth and the commitment because of his heart for those youth. So Wednesday night, after he was here for two hours, did a lot of work and spent time praying with guys and being a resource for guys and encouraging guys. He then took two, two of our students and drove them all the way out to Antioch and Brentwood at 8.30 at night so they could attend youth group. That's commitment. That's commitment. Some of us, it's hard just to get to church on a Sunday because bed is comfortable, right? The 49ers are playing. Who are they playing today? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Browns. Tomorrow. I lift you up and I tear you down. That's complete. There's a lot of ways that CBC is committed. We're in the middle of build. And we've done three quarters, I should probably say two thirds, of this building over here. we got another third that we've got to finish off. We do not finish that unless we're all in. The question is, are we all in? Yes. Yeah. Great. We'll find out. Wait for the ministry. Moment. Okay. Let's <laughs> take Second point today. Unity, not impunity. Right? How many of you know what unity means? Raise your hand. All right, some of you are, are unified in that. Some of you are just lazy, and you don't, you're don't. you not all in. You're like, I'm not raising hands. I came here just to listen. So you, you need to keep talking, Pastor, because, you know. Um, so that was just an interesting dynamic. There. I'm off doing, like, social engineering in my head about why that played out the way that it played out. But secondly, who knows what impunity means? Raise your hand. Have you ever been impugned? I tell Janine all the time, you're impugning me. Right? No, I've never even said that. Not once. And based off her reaction, I still am never going to say that. (laughs) Have you ever been impugned? Right? Have you ever been offended? Have you ever been wronged? Unjustly? How many of you have told the officer? (laughs) Did I have your badge number because where you were parked was entrapment? Didn't matter what you were speeding. He was wrong. You've been impugned. Or she was wrong. You've been impugned. Let me just move on. because There's a lot of tension in the room. Uh, so unity, not impunity, all in as community. That's my rap career right there. all, all wrapped up. Verses 3-5, Paul stresses unity for the church. And this really is an extension of Jesus Christ, right? Our example can be Paul, because God is working through him. We don't disregard what Paul writes, but truly what happens with Paul is an extension of whom? Jesus Christ. Then this is a perfect example. Paul is talking and commending for the need to be all in, fully committed, when it comes to unity. And not this idea of tearing one another down. And so he goes to the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Straight out of John 17. John 17 is... The high priestly prayer. And Jesus is getting ready to be sacrificed. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. These are intimate moments. This is where he, he sweat blood. He was in agony. He brought several of those that were close to Him and said, pray for me. And it went on and on and on early into the morning hours. Did He pray for good sermon? He did not. Did he pray for political justice? He did not. Did he pray for a solid economy? He did not. Did he pray for Mary's goiter problem? He did not. All things we tend to pray a lot about. You know the majority of what he prayed was about unity. You want to know the heart of Christ? Look in John 17. What a tremendous example. So Paul follows that idea. and He's stressing unity for the church. We live in a day and age where the church suffers because of agenda and opinion. And we just saw some of that in this passage, right? In in chapter 1. The church of Philippi is upset because there are those who are taking advantage for their own personal gain because Paul's locked up. And Paul says what? He says, I rejoice, and again I rejoice, as long as the gospel is being preached. Let's major on the majors and minor on the minors. Uh, Shameless plug for church membership. And so that is kind of our denomination's focus, is that we major on those things that are gospel-centric, the truth, the things that we should be unifying over, the minor things that how we choose to do church government or what, um, whatever it would be. Some people have made those major issues, and we've got something that we're going to talk about next Sunday that's been a change within our doctrinal statement. And by the way, today is... Uh, National Church Multiplication Sunday. So be praying for the church as it seeks to multiply out. But this morning, as Paul is stressing that unity, he uses some key words so we can understand how to succeed at this idea. How do we succeed at unity? Well, let me give you one simple instruction that's going to work in your household. It's going and your, your relationship with God is going to work in the church. And it's all in the title. That we would not focus on impunity, impugning others, tearing others down, but that we would make hard choices, that we would be what? Unified. Again, you saw that, in a doubt, as a Christ-like example all over the news this past week. People were inspired by it. You just heard a story from Dr. Cook. I know that there are stories in and amongst ourselves. So the first key is focus on unity and not in community. How do we do that? How do we succeed? Well, he uses some key words here with yourselves or success. So he says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than who? yourself." Let each of you, there's an all-in statement, right? Let each of you look not only to his own interest. So he's not saying you have to completely disregard yourself. But he says, look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of who? Others. Do we want to practice unity? Then let's do those things. Let's do those things. Key words for success in unity is yourselves, others, sacrifice. Unity requires self-sacrifice. So, I have (coughs) an interesting question here. Is unity truly realistic? Is it realistic within your health? (coughs) Is it realistic in your marriage? Is it realistic at work? Is it realistic in the world? Here's what I would say. I'll just simply borrow from Christ. Because something doesn't become fully realized does not mean that it doesn't present value. Does that make sense? Let me help put some teeth to that. Next time you get your check, you're not direct deposit, right? Look at your check. Did you get all of that money you earned? Then, what I want you to do is say, Boy, that just wasn't worth it, and just rip up your chest.
1: <laughs>
0: right? So, true unity happens when and where? In Thank you. Not the rafters, not on the top of the building, right? Not as you hit a field goal, right? Heaven. But we can have unity here had a great time last night. Ron and Marshall put together a bocce, a bocce fest. Um, and It was my very first time playing bocce ball ever. My family came. Some Egyptians were there. It, it was incredible. But Ron didn't say, hey, we're just doing this for the church. And so we had young people. We had people who were not necessarily young.
1: We had, we had
0: people that weren't part of the church. And it's an interesting endeavor. When we have gatherings, where do we go? And what do we do as far as practicing unity? How, what are we feeding? Are we feeding ourselves? Well, yes. When we have an event with food, yes. Obviously, that goes without saying. But do we make choices to encourage and lift up others that are around us so the church might what, flourish? Ron and Marcia did that last night. And I can't say thank you enough for creating the opportunity for us to engage, number one, with one another, but also with people we don't know This part of your community. And so Ron's making sacrifices and choices to bring those two communities together to promote some Christ-like unity. Well done, my friend. Is unity truly realistic? Well, let's do a CBC check. I just gave you a great story. Does anybody else have another great example of unity here at CBC? It's a real project. Little project. Fantastic. How so, Fernando? There's no self-serving advice in So uh, The fact that there was one morning where we were and basically gauging what the work day was gonna have, and we kind of looked at each other and there was four of us in the room, and then, say, within two hours, a couple phone calls to help Lynn, Gene, and everything, we had uh, more than enough people that we didn't have enough stuff to do because people from all ages showed up and again our stalwarts, the people that hold up the church our seniors showed up and made it look like we didn't have any windows because they cleaned them so good and they were just asking us you know what is next what's next and i was like how do you guys have some much energy you know it was tremendous it was tremendous there there's a a gentleman and know how are we going to finish all this up and he was talking about some of the people he met and he ran into and the very actually the only person he mentioned was Roger painting
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing what,
0: what Chris was doing with Roger painting <laughs> you know so just this beautiful picture of us pulling together from all ages so in what ways do we not do if you're visiting today, yes, that's who we are. We're authentic. We just blurt out our dirty laundry right now. In what ways are we not doing well with unity? Keeping up with the Joneses. How so? When we all envy what everybody else has around us. We're not community, we're envious, and we're trying to be better than that person, instead of drunk disclosure Let me parlay off of that. Sometimes we're not going to be authentic in a service like this, because we're worried about the Jones is judging us, right? Impunity, yep. not unity. So I just want to encourage you, even by this question, I'm letting you air out your dirty laundry even about your pastor. That's how vulnerable we'll make this moment. Right? But just remember I told you impunity is bad, so don't say I've got <laughs> What other areas do you think stick out where maybe we need to get better at unity or do a unity check? <coughs> yes, Ron.
1: I think, you know, when people come,
0: like, thumbs up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, is it? are we being all in when we just leave it to a couple people that we think are really better at it than us? You see, what we do is we rip off the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to actually use us beyond our yeah, That's where the sauce of, of being a, 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 a believer truly lies. Right? That's when we really engage with the Lord is when we get outside of those areas that that you were really comfortable with. Pastor, can you go to the next point, please? Uh, not before I, I throw this dagger out. Um, I do this in great scrutiny. So many of you know me, so you just really got to understand. Um, I, it has been said of me that I'm a sensitive person. who would say that? God. But I could probably answer But sometimes sensitivity can
1: be used <coughs> for passion about things. We
0: had an endeavor last year. And I have not spoken of that endeavor since. So I want you to understand clearly, what I'm about to say does not come from a sensitivity issue. It doesn't come from a damaged or wounded heart. It is none of that. But for me, in the 7 to 8 to 4,083 hours after 7, no, actually just the 8 hours, what was my concern had everything to do with the subject today, about unity, about unity. And by the way, I know all the things that you're going to say when I share with you what this subject is. I've heard it all. is No, no, we were not. Now, I just said that in front of two new visitors. Welcome to Concord Bible <laughs> But I want to check you because I want to teach you. We think that everything is great and copacetic, but when we talk about the realities of how life really works, sometimes we don't have answers. And how does all that work? And I don't have time to get into it, so I'm just going to go to Jesus Christ. Which is our next point. Jesus who? Because that's what this point is really about. But we were we were focusing on Paul's instruction on unity, right? Christ's focus on unity. And so Jesus who? Now we get to one of the most prolific passages in all of Scripture. Verses 5 through 11. It says this. Having this mind among yourselves. This is how you should think. This should be your attitude, is what Paul is saying. Which is yours in Christ Jesus in other words, have this thinking, have this emulation, have this example, and Christ has set that for you. What did He do? Who is Jesus that we should look to His example in being all in? Who, though, in, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made Himself what? Nothing. Taking the form of a what? servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And let me just finish that out. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How did Jesus set the example of what it means to be unified? Let me help you out. First of all, he was all in for charity. How many of you are KJV people? Well, this is is an homage to to, uh, KJV people. Charity meaning love, meaning when we think of charity today, we think of what? Giving towards those who are what? In need. In need. Were we in need as a people? Yeah. Absolutely. That's why we chose the word charity, plus it fits my alliteration. He was all in for giving to those who had great need what they needed. That's our point. Jesus who? The one who was all in to give us what we needed. Verses 5 through 11. The example of Christ is really what Paul sets for the church here. He's he's asking them, look at the unity. Look at what what, uh, giving up your own selfish rivalry or or, uh, attitudes does. Because you've been doing it. You've seen the success of this. Keep going in that direction. And when you start to falter. When it starts to get a little wonky. There's the Aramaic. (laughs) (laughs) The only reason I'm just giving you the trade secret. The only reason I say that is because if I said Greek, people would check it. They could actually check it. Nobody can check the Aramaic. So, So, you know, looking at that idea, Paul says, let me show you the examples. Let me show you what it means to think of others. Let me show you how this works out. You need that example of Christ. Let me remind you. Who he was, who he is. Number one, he set aside. He set aside. I talked to the youth group this past week, and I said, it's like Jesus went in and pulled his God card out of his wallet, and he just set it over here. Right? Now, does he still own his God card? Yes. Yes. But he pulled it out of his wallet. He's not going to flash his credentials. He's still God. This is a very hard thing to understand uh, the, the theological term the hypostatic union there. You can throw that around a little bit if you don't break your tongue saying it. But it's, it's as if he set it aside. I mean, that, that is the true rendering of what Paul is saying. Why would he set aside his power as God? Have you ever wondered about that? Have you ever thought about that? We're going to reveal that in the next few things. So number one, he started by setting aside his own abilities. He chose to do things harder. He emptied himself. This word is fascinating. It simply means nothing's there. The Greek word here is representative. There's just nothing there. Zipa. He he took. That part of him which was God, and he said it, was he still God? Yes, absolutely. He was divine. otherwise there's no point in the sacrifice. But what we're talking about is what the thief said from the cross. Do you remember? If you're truly God, call down your what? Call down your angels and free us. Does that sound like someone who's sacrificing for others? Not the thief? It was all about his own agenda, his own personal issues. But Jesus actually set that aside by willful choice and chose not to flash his credentials. He emptied his wallet of, the, of those credentials. And there was a reason to it. In order that what happened for you and I might be fulfilled and satisfied with the Father, it's called a propitiation. In order that the judge would be satisfied, he could not play the God card while he was Otherwise, he would not be a true representation on that cross of whom? Ah, great job. Level 200 theology students. Now, the reason we know he's fully God, fully man, is if he goes on that cross and he's not God. Then is there... How on earth could he ever satisfy the payment for sins? Hebrews, the payment for sins for all time. Impossible. So, by the very tenor of what scripture informs us, we know he was fully Godful man. But he set aside, he actively chose to do that, right? Paul's saying, choose to think of others before yourself. You see the example? Choose to think of others. And he says he emptied himself. He became a servant. How many of us are willing to serve others? Sure. But how many of us are willing to serve others when it's inconvenient? Or it goes a little bit outside of what we want to do? Can I just encourage you for the sake of unity and to walk in the pattern of Christ? Think about what Christ did. Think about what Christ did as a servant for you and I. He took on the likeness of man. And and it it goes a little bit further than that. he, he, he kind of emphasizes this twice. Let me tell you why that's important. Like I shared earlier this week, Jesus could have just come the week before His work on the cross. He could have just pulled up, Amy down, Scotty, right? And He's here, and He does His work at the cross. And it probably would have been more impressive, wouldn't it? He just shows up as God, suffers and dies on the cross, makes the payment, right? How many of you hate those things where like, you got to do a candy sale with your kids, and now they've, they've wised up and they say, okay, you have the option just to write the check. Yeah. So you just write the check or you can go through the whole litany of a month and a half asking all your friends, buy a shop. Right? How many of you opt for just writing the check? Okay, Jesus didn't write just write the chat. He inserted himself from start to finish in order that he might be an accurate representation of mankind. So that there were no deficiencies, not one deficiency on that cross when he sacrificed as a substitute for you and I. Does that connect a little bit more for you? When we say that he was all in for charity. He was all in for start to finish. He took a bullet for me. He was all in by choice. And as we wrap up today, and we think about this idea of Christ's example, I saw a, a funny situation in, in a movie. Where these two people are driving in a car, and one's like this big giant guy, in a coffin, and the other guy is just like a taxi driver, okay. and and they're like barking back and forth at each other, and they're talking about these man moments in life, and the big guy's like, "You're not a man," you know, and so the little guy a friend and said, "Well, you're not a man just because you know," so they're they're kind of going at each other like this, right? And uh, so he says, "Do you ever take a bullet for somebody?" And the cop looks at him like, are you an idiot? <laughs> he says, you really think someone can just, someone shoots a gun and you're fast enough that you can just jump in front of a bullet like in the movies? And the guy thinks about it and he goes, yeah, you got a point there. That's a good point. And at the end of the movie, what happens? This guy jumps in front of a bullet and saves the cop's daughter. And then you think, that's it. little man, he comes back to life, he marries a daughter everybody's happy. And then it's so funny,
1: because he took a bullet.
0: Right? What's a greater rendering of that is who would take a bullet? Who would take a bullet? And who would you take a bullet for? What I want you to walk away with today is this idea that Jesus took that bullet. He truly did. He stepped up and took what was coming And so I leave you with this thought. Jesus took the penalty of sin and death for us. This is what Paul is trying to say. And when you think about having to set aside some of your preferences, some of your choices, some of the things that you think should happen, consider Jesus, Paul is saying, and think about how He was all in. And the more that you do that, the more your church is going to thrive and be Christ-like. Amen? It's a great ending. Jesus wins. We win. Because He was all (laughs) in. Not even
1: saying.
0: In closing today, think about this. In your lowest moments, make the choice to live by the fact that Jesus took your place. Let me close with a prayer. Father, take the word, apply it in our lives. There's so much here. I I feel so inefficient and guilty in the sense of I know a hundred hours of what can be preached on this. And I feel so insufficient as far as what I've presented. But Lord, take what has been presented. Let it pierce our hearts, feed our souls, and change how we live. Keep drawing us together, just like Paul said, since there is unity here at CBC, let us keep pressing towards that and keep Christ as that example in our lives. Thank you,
1: Father. Thank you for the example of Jesus Christ in our lives. To you be all of Amen.